Welcome to Chatterbox Hub, a podcast specially created for the love of audio. We aim to be your go-to resource for insights, advice and engagement with all things audio and not only. I'm Yulia Stancheva, a voice actor, presenter and producer. With the pandemic continuing to expand and the business world turning on its head, companies have to rapidly change focus, reprioritize and remain resilient. What will it take to navigate this crisis? Amid the chaos and all the incoming advice, it's hard to know exactly what to do. That's why I have invited a very special guest and a friend of mine to share his experience and insight with us. The Oxford graduate Anthony Collius is a co-founder of Stasher, a luggage storage company that offers clients spaces to store their suitcases that they don't want to carry with them when they have some time visiting a city. From the importance of shifting operations and launching new revenue lines for businesses, to the future of travel and the restructuring of the global economic order, my guest Anthony Collius is a great resource of insight and inspiration. Let's welcome him in our virtual studio. Hi, Anthony. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Anthony, what's the Stasher story in a nutshell? So Stasher is a platform for short-term luggage storage. Uh, so we work with uh, businesses all over the world. Um, we provide, provide a platform where we list those businesses and then uh, tourists and travelers can book through us to store their luggage for the day uh, with those businesses fully insured. Uh, we operate in about 250, uh, I say about a bit over 250 towns and cities around the world. Uh, and that's in the US, around Europe, Australia, uh, some parts of Asia, and we're constantly adding to that network. Um, so this, this kind of came about because uh, after graduating from university, where I met my uh, co-founder, my co-founder was actually my university roommate, um, I was living between Houston and King's Cross. We, we had been Airbnb hosts, so we were quite keen on the business model. And um, we just always had people asking to leave stuff at our apartment because obviously being between Houston and King's Cross a lot of uh, friends would uh, pass through so we thought we'd set up a platform uh, and see how people would use it. Initially the idea was kind of like we kept it open we we're happy for people to use it however they wanted uh, but everyone was using it to store luggage for short periods of time roughly a day uh, and that was because they were checking in and out of Airbnbs or because they were going to football games uh, or museums and stuff like that or you know in some cases short transits through London uh, so we decided to kind of focus on that in the platform. And so it made much more sense to work with local businesses who had uh, fixed hours and secure storage space. Travel is the worst hit industry during this crisis. Mm -hmm. And you being part of this industry must have felt the impact really strong. Yeah, so from our perspective, um, we basically have taken the decision that because practically every country that we were operating in was in lockdown or near lockdown, uh, as a temporary measure, we've just paused the network because almost every host is closed anyway. You know, even even if it is an essential business, uh, so it's allowed to be open, uh, they're, they're obviously quite busy <laughs> uh, focusing on, on the core stuff they're doing. So, uh, I mean, as many travel businesses, we've basically taken revenue to near zero, which is a, a painful thing to do. But I think the nice thing for people in most countries, except for maybe the US, uh, is that the government has stepped in with a lot of helpful policy That means that, you know, particularly if you're a travel business, you can just kind of hibernate. Uh, we were very fortunate because we closed a funding round just before before this happened. Uh, so, you know, we'd closed a funding round of about two million pounds. So we do have money in the bank. 
So from our perspective, we can take the time. How smart of you to do that. I know, it was it was truly a, a premonition that kind of told us to close as soon as possible. But because of that, we're able to take the time to focus a bit on our product. But I mean, that's not that's not like a, having money in the bank is not an excuse to be, uh, it, it's fortunate, but it's not an excuse to be lackluster in your response. So we have, you know, furloughed as many staff as is reasonably possible, just because it's an essential cost saving. And we are focused on, just keeping a few product people on to kind of work on core improvements that we had kind of scheduled to work on anyway. And it's nice to not have the distraction of, you know, live issues with customers or or internal requests distracting those developers. But yeah, it's it's obviously been hugely disruptive. And I think the truth that a lot of people maybe you're in a bit of denial about, like you see you see what's his name, Donald Trump like saying like, oh we have to open back up. I, I think I think it is essential that we open our economies more than they currently are. But anyone who thinks that like the economy will just return to what what we were doing before is wrong. <laughs> there will de- there will be forms of restrictions in place probably for at least the next year. Uh, I don't think any major sporting event will go on for the next year. I think international travel will be. I don't think it will be strictly enforced, but I think it will be kind of guidelined as essential only. So I I think international travel is going to be slow to pick up. I will get back to that point definitely. We're constantly reminded what better time to think outside the box and come up with new ideas, workarounds and solutions. It would be interesting to hear how you are shifting your operations at the moment and how are you adapting to this new climate? Yep. I, I have to admit we were a little slow on this. So we we had taken for about a month we'd taken a stance of oh you know, it's probably best to hibernate and and just recover. Uh, I think it's become clear, you know, as I was going to say before that things just will be different so we've decided that we need to open some non-travel uh revenue lines so from our perspective like if you think about it we run a storage platform right uh the fact that we focused on luggage storage was just a case of marketing a use case um actually it is in essence storage that can be used for anything so we are we are kind of investigating the use cases that make the most sense to uh now market to customers and and kind of adapt the tech to uh to suit so We're not 100% decided yet. We're exploring like somewhere in the region of five to five to ten potential use cases and pick one and stick to it. But um, yeah, we, I mean, it's it's kind of a no-brainer to take the time to launch a new revenue line for pretty much any business. Absolutely. And how are you supporting and protecting your employees at the moment? I think one thing is obviously, like I said, there's some there's some government schemes that are helpful. So. Um, The furlough scheme is good because although the people can't work, it it allows you to hibernate through the worst of it and then have as much money as possible to survive when at least there is some business going. We haven't had to let anyone go. Like I said, we were lucky to have closed around just before. But I think one thing for people running businesses to consider is that whilst it can be difficult to decide to let people go, ultimately, if you are too afraid to make difficult decisions like that, you know, everyone will lose their jobs if the business totally runs out of money and collapses. So that's, I mean, that's a difficult thing where you you protect some of the employees, but obviously, you know, it, it involves some people losing their jobs, which isn't nice, but you kind of have to, you have to make but a decision. But in your case, luckily. Yeah, in our case, luckily, we haven't had to do much. In terms of specific stuff we've done to protect them, yeah, it's just about conserving uh, runway whilst avoiding redundancies. So cutting as many non-essential costs as possible, Um, collectively agreeing as a company to do certain measures. So we dropped a four-day four work week 
and and with a commensurate drop in salaries because that means that we can kind of keep the same team going for longer rather than having to let go of some people. And everybody was happy with this idea. Uh, yeah, I think well, I think everyone was everyone was very understanding for sure. Like everyone was was uh, totally behind the fact that it makes more sense for all of us to do that than for some of us to lose their jobs, and that um, it's it's kind of commensurate with the situation anyway because. You know, particularly in travel, there's just there is a little bit less work to do at the moment. It's so important for companies to be empathetic and understanding, and adapt to the needs not of just their employees but also of their customers, and to find a way how to engage with their customers in a relevant and helpful ways. Do you keep this open and transparent communication with your customers? Yeah, I mean, you definitely should. I mean, so if you, it kind of depends a little bit, right? Like if you're If you're a B2B business, then your relationship with your customers is much stronger because it will be, you know, it's other businesses. You tend to have like an actual point of contact and you communicate more frequently with them. And it's a much more invested interaction because they probably spend a lot more money with you uh, or make a lot more money through you. So, yeah, th- those relationships, you definitely want to like specifically check in, make sure everything's okay. I would generally say offer concessions if you can, uh, if you're selling a SaaS product or whatever. If you're B2C and it's not like a high repeat, highly engaged product, Or I mean, even it is highly engaged. You know, say you're using a food delivery platform. I think one thing that a lot of people are getting wrong is assuming that s- somehow checking in on that relationship is needed. So I think everyone has experienced like a flood of emails from a bunch of companies saying like, "Oh, here's what we're doing about Corona," and it's it's actually it can come across as disingenuous. Everyone has their inbox flooded with like a service they've used once two years ago, or whatever. Uh, saying, oh, you know, This I, I is know so <laughs> everyone like, and it's like, just use a little bit of common sense and, and really, you know, be real with yourself. Like, do you need to make another mass posting about Corona when it's not like super relevant to your service? So you think it's essential to communicate with your customers, but not to overdo it. Yeah, I think use some, use some common sense. Like it, you're just going to annoy people if you, um, if you just send out a generic Corona, like this is what our company is doing and it's, Actually, you know, if your user base isn't like heavy repeat, you know, super engaged and it's actually relevant, like it changes the way you do things. And and yeah, obviously, if it's B2B, then, you know, check in directly. That's a very good point. Life has changed drastically. No doubt about it. Just a few weeks ago, all of us were living our usual busy lives. Now things normally taken for granted, like a dinner with friends or a daily commute to work, a workout in the gym, going to the cinema, taking a flight to a holiday destination. All of this is no longer possible at the moment. There is a huge uncertainty about tomorrow. How do you feel about it, both on a personal level and, uh, you know, as someone who is responsible for their business? Uh, it's not great. <laughs> But... um. It's not terrible. I don't I don't feel particularly anxious. I think things will return to some form of normality. Like I said, I think restrictions will stay in place for, for quite a while, but I think some form of normality will resume, you know, in relatively short course. Um, I mean, what the, the um, I think the expression in, in medicine is that you, you treat until the cure is worse than the disease, right? And um, it's not it's not feasible for old you know western economies to be just you know to remain in true isolation lockdown for like 12 months yeah it's it's just not it's not feasible there, there will be lifts you know some of those restrictions and then 
stuff like seeing your friends and you know some socializing outside will become possible and make it more uh, survivable as a business yeah I think a lot of the stuff that we've covered like you, you need to think about like how to um, how to open new revenue lines if your previous ones were uh, shut down I think a lot of people also kind of need to go back to their budget and conservatively rebudget on the basis that they're not going to make anything near what they thought I think I was, I was talking to like a service provider that we have uh, for like an analytics tool or whatever and, and obviously because they offer analytics across a wide range of customers I asked them so like you know, are there some people who are benefiting? Because, you know, obviously you hear some stories of companies who are benefiting, like, you know, video gaming companies and stuff like that. Um, and they were saying it was like, it was a crazy mix where like over three quarters are hurt, something like 10 to 15% are hugely benefiting. And then the remainder, like a very small amount is like roughly neutral. You know, it, it's a good time to run like a video conferencing app or something like that, or like a work from home organizing tool of some sort. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, I said, like, consider new revenue lines and stuff. I think a lot of people are maybe falling into the trap of, you know, creating innovations that are like lockdown specific, as opposed to, you know, the, the more restricted, but more open life that we will inevitably live. And that's not super helpful. Yeah, but also the pandemic could lead to major changes in consumer behavior. Obviously, new businesses and ideas are likely to bloom not just ideas that will be applicable for the lockdown situation, but maybe ideas that can be transferred later on in the new way of living. I, yeah, I think some things, some things will shift, some preferences will change. But I do think by and large, like, and, you know, this is evident in the fact that, like, there, there is, like, people who are upset with the situation and want to move back more to normal. Like, by and large, things will... Like me. Yeah, <laughs> by and large, people, things, people, things will go way back closer to how they were. Like... I think there'll be some changes like I think work from home will be more common. Um, I think e-learning will be more common. I do think, you know, as, as a mandate, social distancing will probably be around for the next, I don't know, until there's a vaccine, maybe a year and a half, two years. You know, whilst people will go back to social interaction, there will be less of them. So something that helps people interact uh, remotely. There'll be a shift, but like, I, I don't think that people should assume that like people will literally be stuck in their homes and unable to interact forever. forever. <laughs> yeah. That's a very positive outlook. I like that. <laughs> you have to be an optimist to run a business. Yeah. Let me go back to that point of our interview where you were talking about the future of traveling. Travel will bounce back as it's in human nature to want to travel. Yeah. What is your view on that? How do you think travel will look like in the after lockdown life? And how do you plan for the future and prepare for the time once the lockdown and social distancing are finally over? Yeah, uh, so I think it's 100% right. Like there, there will be a big bounce back in travel. I, I think it will be kind of staggered. That, and first there'll be a boost in probably rural domestic travel. For obvious reasons, you know, people don't want to go to other cities where it's crowded and probably like still encouraged not to travel internationally, afraid of getting stuck internationally. Uh, so domestic rural, then maybe domestic urban and then international. And that's a that's a kind of that's a three part increase that could happen over the course of like two years. But I think, yeah, like there, there is a really innate desire to travel in the modern day. You know, too many people post too many videos of them doing whatever in Bali in on their Instagram so everyone else wants mm -hmm. to go there so I do think like you know if we're talking five years from now yeah things will be back to where they were but um for the near term yeah it, it's going to be a while till it bounces back but um I do think in the future people as well one of the nice things about this is that people will be more 
conscious of their travels, both in terms of like, I think it will become pretty apparent, like the environmental impact that travel had and, and how like the, basically the shutdown of international travel has benefited the environment. So I think people will be more conscious. I think people will have less money, so they'll probably have to take, you know, fewer, but maybe bigger holidays. And how do you think that this will impact your business in future? Yeah, so I mean, for, for us, I think in the midterm, it will make very little difference because we service a lot of domestic use cases, a lot of people going to events and stuff. Uh, we also service, you know, it's basically anyone staying at like a vacation rental and vacation rentals, you know, one of the reasons they're so popular is because they're cheap. Airbnb was founded during a, um, during the last recession. So I think for us, it's not, it's not a problem. It will be positive. Uh, not that many of our users, I say not that many, like not all of our users are traveling internationally. So many of them are traveling domestically. Uh, so it's, it's totally fine for us. Based on your experience and the experience of other startups, businesses, do you have any practical hands-on tips to offer others? Uh, act decisively and quickly. You know, if, if you are too conservative, you can always ramp up later. If you're not conservative enough and your company runs out of money and dies, then that's it. It's over. Do you think there is a silver lining? Uh, like I said, I mentioned that there's, um, it will definitely be good for the environment and I think it will change the way that we view the environment. I think that there will be some like positive realizations around like, oh, work from home isn't that inefficient, uh, which will give people kind of better balance. I think a lot of companies will probably, you know, a lot of companies have probably adopted like reduced working hours, like four days a week or whatever, like we have, and realized actually people are still pretty productive. So maybe it makes sense to kind of give people more flexibility with the hours that they choose to work, which is great for people who have kids and um, other, you know, social situations. Um, or, you know, even if you just have hobbies and passions you want to pursue. So I think there's a bunch of stuff that will change positively. I think there's also a bunch of stuff that might be negative. I don't think it's inherently a positive thing that the US is a, like, was a, the leading global superpower, but I don't think that'll be the case anymore after this. I think it, like, this is very firmly, you know, shown that the US is no longer the, you know, quote unquote, most powerful country in the world. And that kind of moves over to arguably more authoritarian and... China? Yeah, to, to, to Western standards, you know, it's somewhat concerningly that, you know, Mantle is adopted by a country like China, who's already kind of taking the opportunity to kind of do some military posturing towards, you know, countries in, in Asia who have been economically weakened by, by, the, by the crisis. And obviously there's tons of skepticism around you know, their handling of the crisis and um, and even uh, whatever figures and numbers that they provide. I think there'll be a lot of positives. Provi uh, environmental will probably be the biggest positive. That's a great way to end up this interview, actually, on a positive note. Thank you so much, Anthony. Great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for the time. Thank you for listening to this podcast with our highly insightful guest, Anthony Collius, the co-founder of Stasher. Our next episode will feature another inspiring guest, Claudia Macera, a business owner who has seized the online opportunity to keep her business going and continue helping her clients with the best she can do while empowering them in a great time of uncertainty. Stay tuned!